Welcome to the Random Wellness Podcast with your host, Nicole Van Quaito, nutritionist, owner, Simply Nick, and taco enthusiast. Join me each week for all things random wellness, including intuitive nutrition, entrepreneurship, holistic living, good vibes, and a dash of woo-woo. I hope this podcast gives you a good laugh, teaches you something new, and helps you up-level your health. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the Random Wellness Podcast. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing Nicole Haney, who is a business coach. And Nicole actually had another business before becoming a business coach, which we talk a lot about on today's episode. Uh, You know, some of the processes and, you know, starting out in a new business. And she also gives a lot of great advice and tips to other business owners, whether or not Um, you know, you were in the food industry like she was or not. A lot of it's, you know, something that's applicable to everyone, which is fantastic. And we also chatted about some other fun things like, you know, like travel and our dogs and uh, health and wellness. So I know you guys will definitely enjoy today's episode. All right. First question. What is your favorite food? Oh, my gosh. That is a good question. Okay, I my mind immediately jumps to chocolate. Okay, fair. Because I love chocolate. I've always loved desserts. I have an enormous sweet tooth, which is a hard problem to have when you also are like really into health and wellness. Yeah, yeah. All right, but um, yeah, I would say like my dream dessert would be like a chocolate cheesecake with like a caramel drizzle and like brownies on top. That would be my ideal dessert that I could ever eat. I'm like literally salivating right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Doesn't that sound so incredible? Yeah. If I can find a way to do that and make it healthy, I will let you know. Like, honestly, I think there's like a way. And I don't know what's in it, but like Plant Matter Kitchen does like a cheesecake and that's like vegan and it makes no sense. Like, I'm like, how does this taste so good? Yes, it's the bomb. I've had it. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. So I think you would have to do like a cashew cheesecake. Yes. And then you could do like a date-based caramel to mm-hmm. drizzle on top. And then I have a pretty good brownie recipe from my last business. So I could like do that, put those on top and maybe like salt bay some cocoa nibs on there. Oh and my God. uh yeah, I think that would be delicious. I feel like you've already thought this through, actually. You're like... <laughs> <laughs> I just dream about food constantly. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah, you're like, I've actually been uh, recipe testing this for <laughs> a year now to perfect it. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, what is your favorite color? Blue. 100% it's blue. Like ocean blue, like a teal, kind of like that watercolor. Okay is is my favorite color so I when I was a teenager I begged my mom to let me paint my own room whatever color I wanted to paint oh it and she was like okay cool like you can choose whatever you want go for it yeah. and I chose this like really vibrant teal color yeah. and I painted I painted everything like everything was painted the back of my door was painted the baseboards and it was like all teal I don't know what possessed me to do this my mom must have been like inwardly cringing um but yeah I just I don't know like I love water and I love being Mm -hmm. surrounded by that like calm blue feeling 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. I love how you painted the baseboards too. <laughs> Why? Like, what possessed me to do that? I have no idea. But I was just like, I love this color. I'm going to paint everything. Yeah, that's actually amazing. It's so weird. I've mentioned this multiple times since I started recording my second season. So many of my guests have said, like, blue and teal. Oh, really? Yeah, blue, teal, turquoise have been, like, a common, like, theme. That's so interesting. I feel like there's got to be this innate pull to like water and the ocean. Right. Like I, you know how much I love the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like there's something in all of us that really just like draws us back to the water. And I wonder if that's a connection there. Yeah, I think so. Because I think a couple of them have definitely mentioned like the water like aspect of it. But yeah, I'm just like, it's so interesting and like attracting all these people that like, love like blue and teal and turquoise so I feel like I'm just like not even surprised when people like give that answer anymore I'm like yeah I knew that that makes sense yeah (laughs) now I feel like I know the answer to this next question but favorite place you've traveled oh Hawaii yeah (laughs) hands down hands down Hawaii um specifically Kauai oh yeah so yeah a hundred percent so Um, when my husband and I were getting married nine years ago, we had started talking about where we wanted to go for our honeymoon and neither of us had really traveled anywhere. Like we had always been so just like very fiscally responsible and we were just saving money for, you know, a house and and the wedding and all of the things that you do. And so we hadn't really traveled and we both were like, okay, it's our honeymoon. Like let's pick like a bucket list place let's pick I actually kind of hate that term but yeah yeah, let's pick a place that we both like really want to make sure that we go within our lifetimes and so we wrote out our list and at the top of both of our lists was Hawaii Mm -hmm. and so we ended up going to the big island for a week and Kauai for a week and fell in love with Kauai and so we've been back again one time we were hoping to get there this year. I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to get back. Yeah. I uh, went to Oahu and Kauai and like, it was interesting. I went with a friend and she definitely like loved both, both like islands and so did I, but like, I think I definitely gravitated more towards Kauai and I don't know, like I kind of do, but I also don't really know why. Cause like we weren't there for that long. I, like there's something about like the mood or the atmosphere I don't know what it was like we did like a ukulele like lesson in like this random like music shop that we stumbled upon like it was just like I don't know like and we even did like the helicopter tour and like I almost like threw up everywhere after taking even like two gravel and I still was like this is the best place in the world and I literally was like dying like yes I mean, there's something there's something about it it's got such a soulful vibe to it right like it's got a very like hippie kind of laid back surfer vibe to it Mm -hmm. and literally every single person that I've talked to about Kauai I think I've mentioned this to you before everyone says including myself I stepped off the plane and it felt like home Mm -hmm. and it's so true like it does there's just something that draws you there yeah, and, like, I don't know if it's because it's, like, so small or, I like I said, like, I can't really put my finger on it, but, like, I felt like I could have just been, like, yeah, just, like, live my life there, like, go to the grocery store, like, we were traveling on a budget, and we, like, literally were, like, yeah, like, going to the grocery store, 
going to like our hotel it had a little kitchenette and I'm like I'm just very comfortable here which like usually like as a traveler like I've been to some crazy places and I know it's still like the states so it's not like that like you know crazy but I'm just like yeah like pretty comfortable here no need to be home quite yet (laughs) oh a hundred percent you feel totally safe totally at ease and I felt the same way like when we were there the first time we were both like wait do we have to go back like can we just like stay here and live yeah. out the rest of our lives like that would be perfect right um and then before I started my first business we actually attempted to move there for real mm. and it didn't work out for a variety of reasons but um yeah that's actually my goal in life right now is to find a way that I can spend at least like four to six months out of every year in Kauai Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Cause like, would it be hard? Like you probably already looked into this knowing you're probably like, yeah, I got all the details, but like, would it be hard as like a Canadian resident to actually like live there? Yeah. The big issue is finding work, right? Because you have to, in order to be able to like work legally, you have to have a work visa and you have to have someone sponsor you and all of those things. So Um, that was kind of the hurdle that we couldn't really get past last time. And so the goal is to have businesses that allow us the freedom to kind of Mm -hmm. move back and forth between here and there. Um, And yeah, just be able to like skip out on the Canadian winters and spend them in Hawaii. Well, good to know because I will be visiting you during those Canadian winters because I'm not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) And I love Hawaii. So see you there. Amazing. You're always welcome. We will have like a guest bedroom. You were more than welcome to stay. Amazing. Perfect. Um, okay. Next place you want to travel, but you can't say Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> oh now you're making it hard on me. I know. I just um, fun. Actually, we were talking about this the other day because we had wanted to Hawaii in February. Right. And we were like, okay, with quarantine and everything that's happening, it's probably not going to happen. Um, so we were talking about if we can go away in the summer, where would we want to go? And we started talking about Europe a bit more. So we've already been to Italy. We went to Rome and Florence in Italy. And so I was like, Ooh, how about Spain? Yes. Yeah. So I think Spain would be very cool or France. We could do like Paris. We could go to the South of France and Mm -hmm. do some of the beaches um so yeah somewhere in Europe I think would be like the next place yeah have you ever like traveled in Europe at all just to Italy that's the only spot we've gone to so far so far in Europe and um we loved Rome like we we had said you know if we can't make it for whatever reason to live in Hawaii we would like runner-up would be living in Rome like okay it's so cool have you ever been there I haven't been anywhere in Europe. Oh, it's so cool. It's the cobblestone streets. Mm-hmm. They have the restaurants that come out onto the sidewalks and onto the streets. And it's just such a cool, like laid back vibe. Even though Rome is a big city, right. still has that like really calm atmosphere that is my jam. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny when we arrived in Rome, uh, when we went, we had booked a hotel. And so we went directly to the hotel okay. and we just like dropped all of our stuff, freshened up a bit. And then we went to grab something to eat. 
And we were like, okay, we'll walk down like a few side streets and we'll find a nice cute restaurant that has like the outdoor cafe area. And so we landed on one that was like a block from our hotel. And we sat down, we're like sipping a glass of wine. And I looked to my right and I'm like, well, that's interesting. After dinner, we need to go check this, this out because there was a castle like right there. What? And I was like, what is this? Ca-? Yeah, it literally was just like a castle, like chilling out. And I was like, what is this castle? I could only see the back of it. And so after dinner, we walked to the front of it. It was the Pantheon. <laughs> I know. I was like, <laughs> so casual. Yeah, it was just like the coolest thing ever. And so we spent a lot of time literally just hanging out on the steps of the Pantheon and like, eating delicious food and watching all of the performers that would perform in that little square and just like yeah just chilling out so it was such a good trip I would highly recommend it I would go back any day oh man I feel like everyone too kind of has like a little bit of a travel bug like having to be home right now that it's like it's like my list is like never ending actually it's like where do I want to go next well yeah I, <laughs> I know like, oh it's so hard and like Europe to me is like it's almost like overwhelming like how do you just like pick like one place to start or two it's like I just want to go everywhere (laughs) even even each country in Europe it's hard right like when we went to Italy we only had one week and so we we were like okay we can't go to Venice because it's too far from where we were staying and and so we were like it's just not it's too much for one week so we were like okay we have to narrow it down and just choose two cities and so we just chose Rome and Florence Mm. but yeah there's just so many places in the world to see and like honestly I want to see them all right like I want to go to Japan and Australia and like Africa Africa would be so cool and like just all all of the places so yeah I know it's so hard like I even just we were trying to plan our honeymoon we ended up just like going to California and not just like it's amazing but we're like we were originally gonna go like Croatia and like maybe like Italy and like then we started like planning it and we're like oh my gosh like we do not have like the mental capacity right now to like think about how we're gonna do this <laughs> you know what I mean it was just like yeah. we're get a little too last minute and we're like okay like how are we going to like cram all of this in like so we're like okay we both want to go to California so like let's just do that and then when we have more money, can like really enjoy those places. I feel like that would be better. So we're not like, you know, just like skipping yeah. on things. Like I want to like go and like really experience it and not just be like budget traveling to like, yeah. <laughs> like I want to be, I'm too old for backpacking. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. A hundred percent. I feel you on that. But yeah. it's, it's not just the money. It's the time too, right? Like yeah. you want the time to be able to explore everything you want to see mm-hmm. because with so many places to see in the world, you might only get one chance to visit that place. Right. Yeah. And so you want to be able to like take your time and explore it like thoroughly and, yeah. and see all of the things. So, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Europe next on the list. <laughs> Other than Hawaii, obviously. That's just uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This I leave open-ended. What is either your favorite book of all time or a favorite book you've read recently or even favorite author? Okay. Yeah. Um, so my favorite book of all time is called Shadow of the Wind. Um, okay. It's by Carlos Ruiz Safon. And it's 
it's incredible. It's actually set in Barcelona. Ooh. Yeah. So if we do end up going to Spain, um, we'll probably do some sort of like walking tour for this book because it'll take you to all the different like monuments and spots that mm -hmm. are in the novel. So the book is literally about this um, kid. So I can't remember exactly how old he is. I think he's around 13, like young teenage age. Mm -hmm. And he, um, his father brings him to this like secret library okay. and he gets the opportunity to choose one book. And so he chooses this one book and that choice changes the trajectory of his entire life. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, it's interesting. It's kind of meta because it's a book about books. Yeah. It's so incredible. I think it was originally written in Spanish and then translated into multiple languages. Okay. Um, but just the way it's written, like the prose and the the, the style of writing is so like mm. in depth and it's got that like nice kind of character to it. Okay. Um, it really just sucks you into the story. So yeah, I definitely would say that's my favorite like fiction novel of all time. Okay, yeah, I'm like selfishly asking everyone this because I'm like trying to like compile a list of books to read because I feel like we're all gonna be inside a lot. Like this year, the yes. winter, like, so what are your favorite books? I'm like writing them down. I'm like, wonderful, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I think you'd really, really like it. Like, if you, I love getting sucked into a story. Yes. Like, I love when I'm reading a novel and I look up and two hours have passed and I'm like, oh my God. And you feel, like you know the characters yes like that for me is what makes a good novel and so this book is is definitely one of those books and it has a couple of I, I don't want to say it's a series because it's not a series okay. by the strictest like nature of that word okay. um but it does have like a prequel and it has kind of a follow-up as well so Perfect. yeah it's it's a good one to get into Lots of reading then that I can do this winter. I'm like, there's always so much Netflix you can watch in the evenings. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And then if you um, are interested in nonfiction, I I think you know this already, but I love Rachel Hollis. Yes. And um, so she wrote Girl Wash Your Face, and so I would say that's my favorite like nonfiction. Okay. Definitely fantastic for um, female personal growth for sure. Yeah, I'll write those down too. So if anyone wants to check them out, then I'll link that in the show notes so you can find them. I feel like I just started like a book club with this podcast. <laughs> yes, that would be fantastic. I would listen in just for that. Okay, random wellness book club happening soon to get through quarantine together. <laughs> okay, so I want to shift gears a little bit and learn more about you. I know I we've had conversations in the past. I'm sure there's lots I don't know about you, but um, yeah, I'd like to know kind of what led you to your recently newfounded business coaching um, endeavor, which is really exciting and kind of what led you to start that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the business coaching, it's really meant to empower entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. um, but also just to inspire people to kind of pursue their passions and follow their dreams. Right. Um, because that's something that was really important to me um, about five years ago. So back in 2015, I had been making healthy desserts uh, for myself and my friends and family, because as I mentioned earlier, I have a huge sweet tooth. 
And I was always trying to find a way to make desserts and fill those like sweet tooth cravings, but do it in a way that doesn't feel like super unhealthy and full of refined sugar and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was making these healthy desserts for myself. And eventually I realized that I liked doing it a lot more than I liked my boring desk job. (laughs) And so I made the ballsy decision to quit my day job and jump um, feet first into entrepreneurship full time and start a health food bakery. And so I started this like tiny little health food bakery at a farmer's market here in London. And my vision was always to just sort of like be creating. I wanted to create all of these different baked goods. I wanted to bring them to the farmer's market and share them with other people and like see the joy that my creations brought to other people's lives and just like have great conversations with them and sip coffee on Saturday mornings. And the rest of the time would be spent like walking my dogs and like tending to my veggie garden and just kind of living like a very quiet, relaxed, like good, slow life. Right. And so I got into the business and I quickly realized that a one day a week farmer's market was not going to pay my bills. Right. (laughs) And I had just quit my job. And so I was like, okay, crap, I need to find a way to be able to like pay my mortgage and buy groceries basically. And so I ended up pivoting into the energy bar space. Mm -hmm. And with the energy bars, I was able to scale it to a national level. Um, So I was flying about 300 retailers coast to coast. Um, But I also started to realize that I had moved quite far away from what my initial vision of the business was gonna be. So having a packaged food business was very different than having like a little farmer's market bakery. Mm -hmm. And it became really stressful and it became much more of a supply chain company than anything else. Um, So I started to realize that I didn't really love it anymore. And it wasn't kind of aligning with the lifestyle I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. So At the same time though, um, I was getting a lot of entrepreneurs reaching out to me and asking to sit down for coffee and just chat with them about like how I started my business and how I was able to successfully scale it and like what did I do to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize like, even though I don't love the packaged food industry, I really love being an entrepreneur. I really love helping other entrepreneurs. And I kind of love seeing like entrepreneurship as this puzzle and figuring out where all the puzzle pieces fit mm-hmm. and helping other people figure that out too. Right. And so I decided to shift away from the food business and into the coaching side of things. So that's what kind of brings me here today. Yeah. No, it's so exciting. Um, I selfishly like, kind of want one of those chocolate glazed donuts sometimes so I know you can probably still make them and (laughs) (laughs) yes I might make some on the side for you yeah just like no big deal I like my friend and I were talking with them the other day I was like remember that donut we split that one time so good (laughs) like people who don't know your baked goods were so so good so now that I know you you, so that I can maybe get one one day (laughs) (laughs) well thank you very much yeah um but yeah, the coaching side is very exciting. And I remember you and I like, I'm trying to think of when you and I sat down because 
I think it might have been when I was doing stuff at Western and I was thinking about applying for like the one program that they have and you had done it. So you were like so nice and sat down with me. I like literally won't forget that because I'm someone that doesn't like to reach out to other entrepreneurs and like feel like I'm wasting their time and like, you know, doing the whole pick your brain thing. Like I'm, I'm like the kind of person's like, I'll pay your consulting fee just to like talk to you. Like, you know what I mean? And you were like, oh yeah, like super casual. And yeah, like so grateful that you took time out of your day to do that. And it's like interesting because you were speaking to entrepreneurs and I could already see that passion. Like, I'm not surprised that you got into business coaching because like you were being so generous with your time and like you cared so much. And I'm like, I just met this girl and I feel like we're friends already. And like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, we clicked like immediately, right? A hundred percent. I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, but you know, honestly, I just like love talking to other cool people. Yeah. And especially about the things that I'm passionate about as well. And so if we have a shared passion, mm-hmm. that's something that I enjoy so much. And so, yeah. I get to help other people, but it also like feeds my soul too. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about too, is kind of like you're talking about like your passion and your dreams and as an entrepreneur that can like be a good and a bad thing. I think sometimes cause you're like, yeah. I have all these dreams and like, I want to do all of this. So like, what would you say to business owners who like have like this, you know, burning desire to do something and like, maybe it's one thing that's great, but like, maybe it's like a million things. Like how do you kind of, how do you like focus it in because I know like you probably even yourself have those issues I do too where I'm like okay Nicole like calm down like yeah can't do 10 things at once like simmer like do a couple things really well and just bank those ideas for later (laughs) yes a hundred percent what you just said so it's so funny because I'm also a I call myself a multi-passionate entrepreneur Yeah, because I do, I have a variety of different passions and there is that feeling that you want to do it all at once. Yeah. And, but I think the key to it is understanding that like you can do it all, Mm -hmm. but you have to take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the thing that has really worked for me is creating like that big vision and actually writing it down. Right. And so I, I created what I call a roadmap. Um, and so I have this like big vision roadmap where it's like, okay, this is where I am right now. This is where I want to end up with like all these different things and all of my passions intertwined into this one business. Um, but in order to get there, I need to start with step one because there's only 24 hours in every day. And you just, you can't do it all at once. So you can do everything. You just can't do it all at once. So you have to take it one step at a time. And over time, you'll be able to build out that full like vision and that full dream of what you want to do. Yeah. And like one thing I've been hearing a lot and just like, I'm just going to call it like the coaching space because some people are like business coaches. Some people are like life. Some are both. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like on like social media, it's like, I feel like a very interesting space not like for your, you're like very specific, but like that just general coaching. And I hear people always talking about like having a niche and like being really specific about that. Like, what are your thoughts about that? Cause like you said, I feel very multifaceted sometimes or all the time. And I'm like, 
how do I just like have like a, a niche? You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that you can have a niche that includes a variety of different things too, okay. right? Like mm -hmm. I would say, for instance, you know, my niche would be living life passionately. So I want to appeal to people that are passionate about a variety of things mm -hmm. and that have dreams and goals and visions that they want to achieve. And then my role becomes helping them achieve those things. Mm -hmm. And so entrepreneurship is just one piece of that, right? And so on my website, on my blog, I have a variety of different things when it comes to like you know, wellness and eating healthy food or um, building confidence and that personal growth piece, or even just like traveling and exploring the world. People have different types of passions. And I feel like my niche and my role is to help them explore those passions and try to achieve those goals. Does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. I like how you frame that. Cause it's like, you know, sometimes I feel like we can almost kind of put ourselves in a box when we're like, being so niched down and specific that it's like, I get that there's a benefit to that in some industries, but sometimes it's like, but then what about all these other things that I'm like really passionate about that I want to do? So I just was curious what you thought about that. Cause I'm just like, feel like I'm constantly bombarded with these things on like Instagram. <laughs> oh my God. Sure. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah, like I do. I think that there are certain spaces where it makes sense to like really, really niche down. Yes. Right. So for instance, if you're building like a course for online education, mm -hmm. I think that's a space where it makes sense to really niche down because the online space is so crowded and it's so saturated and it's so like noisy mm -hmm. that it can be hard to stand out if you have something that's very like bland. Yes. And so if you have something that's really specific, you are going to draw your specific people to you for that course. Sure. And so I, I think it makes sense in certain arenas, but I don't think that you need to limit yourself and your entire business or being to that one specific niche. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's definitely more like that course kind of like focus, like you said, and sometimes like certain coaching can be like really niche down, but yeah, I think sometimes it's just a little too, and like, I don't know, what do you think about to a social media, it's so hard because I'm like, I don't even think I follow these people. And somehow they're like on my explore feed, like telling me how to run my business. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, like, am I doing it wrong? I like, I feel like the classic like reels and like TikToks and they're like, how to make six figures in like one month. And you're like, oh my gosh, like what? <laughs> you know, and a lot of that just doesn't seem real to me. Honestly, like you're probably not going to make six figures in one month. And yeah. so to me, it doesn't even sound credible, but um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of information out there that really has that twist of making you feel like you're doing it wrong for sure. Yes. And I think the reality is like, you're not doing it wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like there mm -hmm. is, information out there for you to take and absorb and learn and implement some of it absolutely yeah. but you also need to go with your gut and do what feels right to you right so i did this with instagram so when i was learning a bit more about instagram i went out and i listened to every course on instagram i like got every piece of advice that I could find that was credible and I absorbed all of it and I was like man 
I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Like, I don't know anything about Instagram. Like, oh my God. And then slowly over time, as I started trying to do it by the book and by what these coaches were saying to do, mm-hmm. I started to realize it wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. And so then at that point, I was like, okay, there are bits and pieces of this that make sense. Yes. Using different hashtags, like so that you can reach different audiences. That makes sense to me a hundred percent. But for me, I need to be posting in a very authentic way. And so I don't plan. I know you're supposed to plan all your posts. That's a thing that everybody says. I do not plan my posts. I don't do it. I do not have a schedule or a plan. And I know that's breaking every rule in the book, but I don't do it. Because when you schedule your posts, sometimes it can come across as really inauthentic. Right. Everybody is doing it nowadays. And ultimately, you know, you're speaking in a way that comes across like you've written it a month ago because you have. Yeah. Right. What I like to do is if I'm feeling in the moment and it's something that I want to share with my following. I will snap a few pictures and make sure, you know, of course I want to get like the right angle and make it look good, obviously, but I'll snap a few photos and then literally we'll think of like a cute, funny caption and just post and just do it. And I find that the more in the moment authentic posts for me are doing a lot better than when I try and plan it out. Yeah. Even like when I plan posts that are like, I mean, it's, like, hard because there's, like, certain, like, content that people also do enjoy, like, you know, like, fact, 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 like, in the nutrition yeah. phase. But, like, even if I'm, like, because I'm, like, that kind of person, I'm, like, very much either very in, like, the writing mode or, like, not at all. <laughs> that does not come in a lot of waves. It's very, very, like, few and far between. I'm, like, all right, today I feel like writing Instagram captions that I might not for the next year. So maybe I should just plan all of 2020. <laughs> like, you <laughs> There's so much value in doing that, but I think you also have to intersperse in some of the, in the moment, authentic posts as well. Oh yeah. Cause I'm like thinking about, I mean, it was like, it also was comical, but like I had this like hideous looking post of like me outside just looking like a dirt bag. And like, I was like picking this like cauliflower out of my veggie garden and it grew so weird. Like it literally didn't look like a cauliflower, had all these different springs. So I made a joke about like me growing cauliflower and it was like the most engaged post that I had in like weeks if not months and I'm like oh my gosh and I'm like I know I need to do more of that but I'm like also very bad with technology in terms of like thinking like oh I should take a photo of that like this is a funny moment or like my husband's like I don't want to do that <laughs> like, like just take a picture for me god just do it, just do it. I know all of our husbands become de facto like photographers and social media people for sure a hundred percent but yeah I mean and it did well because it was authentic and it was Mm -hmm. real and I think nowadays people really want that especially now with COVID people are looking for that actual human connection right Mm -hmm. and so they don't want to see the same like pre-programmed posts over and over again they want to see you and your real life and what you're doing and I just think even if you do need to sit down and do some planning because I get that some days I try and write captions and I'm like this is literally not going to happen literally (laughs) I understand the need to like plan out some of them but I also think it's so important to treat social media as what it's supposed to be which is social right 
And so you should be sharing socially your real life, right? Yeah. Now you brought up, um, obviously, like COVID and quarantine and all that. Now, like you working with businesses in like different ways, like, have you noticed any changes or like, do you see anything like happening in the future? Like maybe some of the people you've worked with, like maybe moving more online or like shifting because of everything that's happened? Yeah, there's been a lot of pivots happening. So a lot of people that had um, brick and mortar businesses or businesses where they had a product are starting to think, okay, how can I, how can I move things online? How can I pivot and be more virtual? A hundred percent. One of the bigger shifts that I've seen is actually people who never considered entrepreneurship before are now really starting to consider it as a real career choice right yeah Yeah. because a lot of people are you know unfortunately either laid off or downsized or they've lost their jobs for whatever reason or during the period where they they've been working at home are starting to realize like i don't necessarily want to go back to what my day-to-day life was before this right and so I think people are starting to think outside of the box a little bit more and and open their mind to the idea that like I could do something like why why not do this business that I've been thinking about for the past five years like why not start exploring it and thinking about it and give it a shot yeah I think like having to sit at home for like long periods of time with like your own thoughts really puts things in perspective <laughs> you're like you're like huh like thinking about like everything about your life, like, you know, like your health, like your general goals, your career, your relationships. You're like, I've had way too much time to think about this. And it's like, makes you like want to like change things up. I think at least in my perspective. And I know a lot of people I've talked to, like, uh, I was just talking to one of my friends and we were talking about like how many people we know who've like quit their jobs and stuff. And we're just like, like what is happening? Like within like the last like month, we've had like friends like moving I have like a couple friends moving to Calgary <laughs> and like yeah. people that like quit their jobs and like this and that. And we're like, very interesting how For it's sure. all happening like within the last like month. It's almost like things are going back to normal and people are like, wait, do I really want to go back to like what I was doing before quarantine? Mm, yeah. No, not really. And some of those people have been entrepreneurs. They're like, we're like, you know, had like a job and we're like had their side hustle and they're like, it's now or never right yeah so absolutely absolutely i think it's it's put things into perspective for a lot of people and i guess the silver lining to all of this is that it has been kind of liberating for a lot of people to see you know what i need to live my life on my own terms and not necessarily live my life by you know what other people expect of me or what i've expected of myself all of these years now I need to do something that I actually care about and then actually love. And so, yeah, we're starting to see a lot more people pursuing entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I feel like there's two, some businesses are probably like, man, this is like way too stressful. Like I can't like live the rest of my life like this. And like, maybe I do want to go back to something more secure. Cause there's definitely something to be said about that. <laughs> like, yep, I feel that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I feel like I can go either way. And I mean, who knows really the thing is we never know what the right like action is or answer so sometimes you just gotta go for it and hope for the best 
honestly, yeah, nobody has the right answers, right? Like nobody knows everything and you just have to kind of jump in and see where life takes you, right? And I'm not saying obviously don't be reckless with like your life decisions, (laughs) but at the same time, like if there's something that's been on your heart for a really long time, Mm -hmm. like maybe it's time to start looking at that and thinking about it realistically. Yeah. What was that like when you quit that corporate job and started your first business? Like, was it just like a total like rash decision? You're like, one day you're like, um, yeah, it's done. Like I'm not doing this anymore. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, what was that process like for you? Yeah, no, it took a long time actually. So I had been making the baked goods for myself for a while. And then I ended up going on a business trip that I knew was going to be super busy. And mm-hmm. I had gone to the grocery store looking for um, a clean energy bar okay. and I couldn't find one that tasted good. And so I was like, cool, I'm going to just go home and make it myself. Right. And so I made it myself yeah. and then I shared it around with a ton of like friends and family and colleagues and everybody loved it. And that was sort of the thing for me where I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, it's not just me. Like, I'm not just making this stuff for me and it's just me that likes it. Like other people love it. And I love the feeling that I get when other people tell me they love my creations. Mm -hmm. And so there was this like long buildup that was about, I would say six months. And then once I made the decision, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit my job. Like I'm going to, I'm going to actually jump into this. Um, it took me a solid, I would say three months to actually build up the courage. So all in all, like nine months of really like thinking about it, playing around with the idea and then deciding to like actually hand in my resignation. And then once I did, it was so like, first of all, it was so liberating. It was just like, I'm free. Like I can do whatever I want now. My life is mine. I have the control to kind of drive it whatever way I want to. Yeah. And so that was really cool. And then very quickly it got terrifying because I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And I now need to, I now need to figure it out. So yeah, yeah it was an interesting process. Honestly, nine months, I feel like it's like not that bad though. I feel like people like sit on like dreams about like businesses for like years or like myself, like I was in my business for I don't even know. I'm like, what year is it? It's 2020. I'm like trying to like count my head. So sad that this is like where I am in my life. But like, it took me years to actually quit my job that was start out full time because I was working full time when I started. Then I went down to like part time and like only recently actually like quit. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm like this type A personality, like overanalyze everything. So like, I'm like nine months. I'm like, wow, good for you. Like. <laughs> Well, thank you. You know what, though? I wouldn't, I honestly would not suggest just like cold turkey, handing in your resignation, quitting your job. Like I did it in a way that I was like, yeah, I'm free. This is amazing. This is awesome. But I like looking back on it, hindsight being what it is, I probably probably should have stayed in my full-time job for a while and like tested it out as a side hustle Mm -hmm. to see if it was going to work and then eventually segued and like that would be my advice to other people is you know don't just like cold cold turkey like quit your day job and and kind of hope for the best like I did I think I entered into it really naively right because I had never like I didn't have any business education I had never started a business before 
I had never worked in the food industry, like literally nothing. And I just thought, okay, well, it's not going to be that hard. I'm just going to make a food product and I'm going to sell it for more than it costs me to make an ingredient and I'll be making money. And like, I'll just have this great lifestyle. And that's genuinely what I thought. And then it turned out very differently from that. But yeah, I don't know. A lot of people say it was courage and I like to say it was naivete. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a bold decision and I'm glad I made it, Yeah. but wouldn't suggest other people necessarily do it that way. Now I'm like so curious because obviously you were making the bars. So like there was like the product side that you're already working on, but like all of a sudden day one, like you're out of your corporate job. Like I'm not even like curious in terms of like the food industry, but just like, what was like your next step for you? Like, um, like I need to find a space, like I need to do like legal stuff. Like where do you even like start with a business that you end up scaling to like what you did? You know what I mean? It's like, I'm like, I can't even fathom like in a food business like yours being like, all right, day one, like, let's go. (laughs) I know. Day one, I was like, cool, I'm unemployed and I have no idea what I'm doing. So (laughs) I'm going to figure this out. Literally, like, so I knew that I needed a website because I was like, I need a way for people to be able to find me and buy my products. And that's kind of how it started. Like I had a website and literally it was like, it wasn't even a Shopify. It was like email me and I will hook you up with page guys. Like it was super sketchy. I love that. Um, Yeah, for sure. Like it was just, yeah, it was just an email at that time. And then I also knew that I needed to have some sort of physical space because I was like, who buys baked goods on the internet? Nobody. Right. Like, Think about that. When was the last time you're like, mm, I really want a donut. Let me like go online and order a donut. Like that doesn't, unless it's like Uber Eats, that makes sense. Right. For the most part, people are not going to order beige goods online. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I need a farmer's market booth. And so I started working towards that, but the farmer's market was so hard to get into at the time. It was actually surprisingly competitive because I didn't think it would be like, I thought a farmer's market was literally like, Hey, can I come set up a table and like sell my stuff this weekend? And when I pitched that idea to the farmer's market, they were like, uh, no, like that's not how this works. No. Yeah. So you have to put in an application and you have to like talk to them and interview with them and make sure that it makes sense for their market and that it's going to draw the traffic they want. And then you have to wait for a space to become available. So it took me about eight months to get into that farmer's market. Okay. Was that kind of like nice though? Cause then you could like probably get a lot of other things like in order before like actually being out in front of like the public. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was, that was kind of my, my second thing was like, okay, cool. What do I need to do this legally? <laughs> um, so I, yeah, so I started Google searching and trying to find like business advisors in London Mm. and I happened across the small business center and I ended up there for a couple of food seminars and then um, they helped me through some of the early stages of like how to register your business, how to set up like your HST account and get your business bank account ready and like all of the basics. Mm. Um, And so that was really helpful in the early days to kind of get the ball rolling and then got my food handler certificate. And then I finally got the farmer's market space. And I was like, yes, now I can start selling. So yeah, I knew, I knew from the get go, like 
really basically I needed to do two things, make products and sell them. And so that was my main focus. Okay. Yeah. I just like find it interesting for like, I mean, for me, it's like different because like I was like a nutritionist, right? So like I could pretty much get started right away after I finished like my schooling, but I'm like always so curious, like what it's like for other businesses. Cause I'm like, there's so many other little things that I probably would not even like fathom. You know what I mean? To like get, especially I know I've heard so much about like the food industry just being like so intense that I'm like, there's probably things that would like never even cross my mind that you had to like do and like hoops you had to jump through just to like, you know, sell an energy bar. Yeah, a (laughs) hundred percent. The food industry is highly, highly regulated and I mean, rightly so, right? You want to be making sure that you're producing a food product that is safe for human consumption. Um, But yeah, there are a lot of hoops to jump through. Like at the very um, start, you really have to get your food handler certificate and talk to your local health unit and get approval through them. And then as you grow, like that's the provincial level of regulations. Mm -hmm. But as you grow and expand outside of the province, you actually have to get federal approval to sell your product. And so that's, yeah, so that's a whole other level of regulation. And there's a lot more um, guidelines that you have to abide by when you hit the the federal level, obviously. Um, And so they have to come in and do an audit and like make sure that you're producing it properly and that you're saying the right things on your package and like, yeah so there's there are a lot of regulatory hoops to jump through Mm -hmm. but at the same time like most of the regulatory bodies are there to help right like they want to make sure that you're doing it properly and so if you're not they're there to provide the help and guidance to make sure that you do so it's not like you're going to jail if you put the okay. wrong like weight on your energy bar like that's and it, but it's funny because I do have a lot of like startup food entrepreneurs that are like am I gonna go to jail if I have the wrong weight yeah. on my product and I'm like no you're not like make sure you have the right weight on your product obviously right. but like you're not going to jail like they're gonna help you talk to the talk to the CFIA talk to the health unit and like get their health because that's what they're there for okay interesting because like anytime I picture like government like officials of any sort I just like picture them being these like scary people you know what I mean like anytime like you yeah. phone like CRA like oh my gosh like you're like doing like your taxes and you're like are they gonna come after me right? it's like, so oh my gosh like that's why they're there like you're supposed to ask questions and I'm like oh my gosh like I bet they're like, well, he's like, well, definitely, they're definitely not watching you. Like you're, it's so daunting. It's so daunting. Right. But like, honestly, yeah. Once you go through it, I remember the first time I had an inspection, I literally did not sleep at all the night before, like not even an hour. I didn't sleep yeah. because I was so nervous about it. And it's funny because we, we were doing everything fine. Like there were no yeah. issues. But at the same time, you just feel like, oh my God, someone's coming into inspection. And it is, it's so daunting. But once you do it once, then you're like, oh, that wasn't like that big of a deal. It's totally fine. Oh yeah, no, it's like anytime I've had to like ask like questions about like accounting or, you know, bookkeeping related stuff and I end up having to call CRA and I'm like, like, have I been doing this? They're like, no, like what? (laughs) Why are you calling me? Like, you're like, okay, I just want to make sure that you're not going to come and arrest me. And they're like, what? Like... (laughs) Absolutely. Actually, we're at your door with handcuffs. If you yeah. could come out now, that would be great. Yeah, we're coming for you. I'm like, yeah. 
okay, well, noted, I was being a little traumatic, but it's like, <laughs> you, like I just picture them being this like big scary presence. So I'm like, no, it's like literally, and it's so funny because I had to do something. Oh, I had to like just change like my address for like, for t- like my taxes this year because I moved and I'm like, this guy's 100% in his apartment because it's quarantined and he's probably like in his pajamas right now, like totally like answering all my questions about like my taxes, like probably so nonchalant. And I'm like sweating on the other end, like, oh my gosh, I probably should have changed my address sooner. He's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You're like, can I change my address? How do I change my address? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Yeah, I, I've actually been moved for like five months. You guys gonna come and get me? <laughs> That's hilarious. And, yeah. for, and the, the funny thing too is like, I, I think we all forget sometimes that the person on the other end of that phone call is just another human being doing their job, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so they understand like when you're stressed out, if, if it's the CFA, for instance, they understand, they mm-hmm. understand that it's stressful when they come in and do an audit. Yeah. And so they get where you're coming from. So I think it's like, if you can see people as just like human beings on the other end, end of the yeah. phone then I think that makes it all better and I think too like now that you can hear people's dogs barking in the background it makes them seem a lot more human <laughs> yes oh my god a hundred percent or like I don't have kids myself but people who have kids and, yeah. and they'll like stop talking and turn and be like no okay Johnny can you play with your toys right now or like whatever right it's yes. it is so like humanizing it is to see people working from home, I think it's just been, again, another silver lining to all of this is that we are connecting in ways that maybe we hadn't connected with other people before. Yeah, for sure. It's like you go on like Zoom calls and you're like someone who like, maybe you thought was like a little bit intimidating or like, you know, you like, not like you don't look up to them because they have like funny things going in the background of like, there's like in a Zoom call, but you're like, okay, you, you're a human too. And your dog is also being annoying and like, barking at the guy delivering the mail you know what I mean whereas if that was like me and that was happening like my dog was barking I'd be like oh my gosh like I'm gonna get in trouble you know what I mean it's like no <laughs> no I had a webinar recently and um so my older dog she loves to run up the stairs in our house but then she can't get back down on her own and so yeah so what she does she probably could she's just a sock let's be real but what she does is instead of coming down she'll stand at the top of the stairs and bark and it's like a really like loud sharp bark like she's a little dog and you know the little dog bark that's like really sharp so she'll do that and so I was on a webinar the other day and she was barking for like a half an hour because she needed to come down from upstairs and I finally got to a point where um, there was an attendance component to it and so I was able to be like oh here's the link go fill out your attendance I'll be right back and I literally like quickly turned off my mic turned off my video ran up the stairs grabbed my dog like brought her down and then ran back into the room and turned the video and the mic back on. And I was just like a little out of breath, but I was like, okay, and we're back. <laughs> You're like sweating. Yes, a hundred percent. But what do you do, right? Like it's just, it's all a part of working from home. Like we all have actual things that are happening around us and yeah, we have to just kind of like roll with it. 
I'm pretty sure when we started recording, I could hear Chloe, my dog, barking. And I was like, I don't even care at this point. Like, like, I'm just, like I'm, I give up. I honestly just give up. Because, like, yeah, my husband, 100%. if he's around, he'll, like, and then he knows I'm, like, recording a podcast or have a meeting. He'll, like, try to, like, keep her quiet. But, like, she's honestly lover, but she'll bark yeah. at things sometimes. And you're, like, so I'll, like, look at the window. I'm, like, oh, a package must have got delivered. And I, like, look out and I'm, like, no, nothing. Wonderful. You're barking at the tree. Great. <laughs> there was no one there. My dogs do the exact same thing. Yeah. Also, side note, the pictures of your dog, she is so adorable. <laughs> it's like I can't even handle it. I look at those pictures and my heart just like melts. Honestly, my so like we call it co-parenting because like I it's our family dog. Um, but it was like pretty like pretty much my dog when I got her when I was like 16. But like obviously I couldn't have her live with me in like certain apartments and whatnot. So now she spends a lot of time here then my parents will take her for a bit you know but like my husband last night was like you're so weird like I literally go up in her face I'm like Chloe you're so cute I'm like so obsessed with you he's probably like honestly like get out of her face like I'm like I just can't help it she's just so cute <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious yeah, yeah they, our dogs are two small dogs as well yeah. and I do the same thing. Like, I just, I can't help myself. They're adorable. Right. And I like, I do the whole, the whole nine yards, baby talk, like oh. everything. <laughs> oh yeah. A hundred percent. Of course I do. But yeah. they're, oh, they're so cute. Like, honestly, one of my favorite pastimes is talking for them. And so <laughs> I know it's so lame, but I will literally like talk on behalf of Lola and be like, I really want my treat right now actually so and I give her a little bit of sass and a little bit of attitude and That's it's just like it's one of those things that just it cracks me up every time and you have to right you have to like inject some happiness and joy into your life oh yeah I feel like I don't even know if like they're legit but I think I need to find a pet psychic because I just want to know what she's thinking and how crazy she thinks we are like you know what I mean I'm like she must be like, my owners are so freaking annoying because they're always in my face telling me how cute I am when I already know that I'm so cute. Like, I'm, already, I'm already aware. Thanks, mom. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, my husband's like, actually, I feel like you should. Like, it could be a total, like, hoax, but at the same time, like, it would be hilarious to, like, get a pet psychic because what if she was actually said things that were, like, we assumed she was thinking the whole time and we'd be like, oh, my God, she does think we're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious I always like I always joke that my dog is like that is not what my voice sounds like in like a very serious voice she's like actually I'm very serious take me seriously for sure and she's just so she's seven pounds and all for her right so she's super cute oh yeah Chloe's I think maxes out at five like yes I don't even know she's like not even I'm like I look I'm like are you even real you like a little teddy Brennan's like, she's a dog. Stop. I'm like, I'm like, you don't understand. We have a bond that goes way back to yes. was like 16. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. So one final question for you. I want to like switch gear. Well, I mean, we already switched gears. We're talking about dogs. So I mean, whatever. But um, <laughs> what inspired you to be so passionate about health and wellness? You know, this is the Random Wellness Podcast. And Obviously, I love talking about business, and you and I always talk about that and travel, but, like, what led you to be so passionate about, you know, healthy food and healthy living? Yeah, 
I actually have a really hilarious story about okay. how I got into health and wellness. So okay. I, when I was 25 years old, um, my now husband and I actually broke up for a period of about six months. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I was just like, I was sad and like all of the things when you're going through a breakup, right? And so I had a friend that she was really into fitness and she went to the gym every single day, which I, at the time, I thought that was crazy. I was like, who's this person that like goes and lifts weights every day? <laughs> and she could see that I was like struggling a bit. And so she really encouraged me to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. So she was like, you know what? Come with me to the gym. And I think the first time she said that to me, I actually laughed because I was like, huh, no that's not I don't I don't work it that's not a thing right. I do. and so um eventually she convinced me to go with her so I went she took me to a spin class oh my gosh I know which I'm like a spin, spin classes are the worst they are the worst they suck like they I, even now even now that I like work out all the time I still cannot do a spin class they're yeah. so so hard and so Anyways, I went to a spin class with her and afterwards I was like, so that sucked. And she was like, okay, cool. Like maybe I shouldn't have taken you to a spin class for your first like outing to the gym. So she was like, let's go for a run together instead. And so I went for a run with her and I went a few times and then I started to really, really love running because of that runner's high and like all of the all of the good feelings and all of the good like um, neurochemicals that are released mm -hmm. when you run and so it really made me feel a lot better when I was going through something hard in my life and so I started running every day and I really started to notice that the only times I didn't feel like running was when I would eat like crap food right so if I would eat like pizza or chips or chocolates or like all of my favorite foods I did not feel like working out at all like you just you feel when you eat that stuff you feel really lethargic right. and you just want to like chill watch Netflix and do nothing basically right and so I started to think about cleaning up my diet a bit and then during this time so this is where the funny part comes in at this time, I was watching a lot of reality TV. Okay. Like back in the day when reality TV was a thing. Yes. And I was watching this show about um, this person, this woman that had started her own fitness studio. And she was also doing nutrition counseling at the same time. Okay. And she was coaching this one woman who like she just, she had some weight that she wanted to lose. And she just couldn't seem to lose the weight. And I remember her crying on this show, like tears streaming down her eyes. And she was like, I don't get it. Like I'm eating like things that are supposed to be healthy. I'm eating like bran flakes and I'm eating like these energy bars and like all of these things. Mm -hmm. And I just, I like still can't seem to lose the weight, even though I'm eating all these healthy foods. And I was like, girl, I feel you because I was the same way. Like I was eating all of these foods that are supposed to be like healthy for you and but actually aren't mm. and so the nutrition coach had said to her literally she just looked at her and she was like it is the sugar in these foods that's causing your problem all of these foods are packed full of refined sugar it is so bad for you it's so bad for your body your metabolism your mental health everything you mm -hmm. need to cut out refined sugar 
And that was the point where something just really clicked for me. And I am very much, you know, this, I'm very much like an extreme, like all or nothing. (laughs) Like I go, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all in. Right. And so literally that day after that show was done, I went to my fridge and I pulled all of the food out of the fridge that had refined sugar in it. Like I was reading the labels on all of the food, which I had never done before. Interesting. And a ton of the stuff I had in my fridge and my freezer had refined sugar in it. And so I took it all and I threw it out, which like killed me a little bit because I hate wasting food. But I was like, I'm, I'm not going to treat my body like a garbage can. Like I'm not going to put this into my body if it's not good for me. Mm-hmm. And so I cleared it all out and then I had like no food. So I went to the grocery store and I started restocking. And that was literally when I started reading the labels on the back of food products and realizing that most packaged food has either refined sugar or some sort of, you know, sugar that's not good for you or like additives and preservatives and things that we really don't know truly what they do to your body long term. Right. And so that's what helped me switch over to like more of a whole food diet. So that's kind of the story of how I like got into fitness and then like cleaned up my diet. And now it is 11 years later and yeah. And I'm still kind of on that same path. There's been dips and like valleys and peaks like everybody else. Um, Especially when I had my business, I went through a really stressful time where I was just like eating kind of whatever I wanted. Right. but for the most part, the better part of those 11 years, I've really stuck to that kind of fitness and, and whole food diet. Amazing. And like, shout out to reality TV. <laughs> oh my God, right? Reality right, TV so funny. from like 2008, 2009. It's like, yeah, 100%. That's where I learned about refined sugar and just like reading labels, right? I love that. It was just like such like a pivotal moment for you and also that like it was you know like not I don't say it's not simple because like we're not taught this in school or anything but like just reading labels like on our food like anyone that's listening and you're like wondering like how to start eating healthier that is actually such a great way to start is just like looking at the food that you have and when you go grocery shopping and just reading the ingredients like is it a laundry list of ingredients that are super long is it full of sugar even look at the different names for sugar because there's like a million. So it's really hard to like know if you only think it's going to say cane sugar or sugar. No, it'll say like multiple, like the list is so long. I'm not going to get into it, but like literally that is such a great way to start eating healthy. So I actually love that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I do think it's like most people, I think that I'm in the majority of most people that just don't even know about this, right? There's so many products out there that are marketed as being healthy because they contain like whole grain ingredients or fiber or all of these things. But then if you actually read the ingredient label, they're packed full of like sugars or like maltodextrin. I don't even know what that, like, what is that? What is that? And why are we eating it? Right? Yeah. I understand that, and especially now that I've had a food business, I understand that, you know, the grocery industry really drives a lot of this because food is supposed to expire, right? Like food is not supposed to last for two years. Food is supposed to last for like a few weeks to a few months. 
Mm -hmm. And that's it. And then it goes bad. And so if you want your food to last longer, you have to be adding all of these extra things into your food that aren't actually food at all. Right. And, and so the grocery industry really demands that you have a longer shelf life to ensure that they have the time to sell your product. And so a lot of food product companies are at some point um, sort of forced to implement some of these procedures and some of these ingredients into their product. And so that's why we have all of these non-food products out there. We know that we should be consuming food. We know that for a fact. And so uh, in my opinion, we should just be eating actual food and not eating all of these additives and preservatives as well. Yeah, that's so interesting that like that moment in time where you changed your health and like started reading labels and like also how that relates to your food business that you had. Like that in- that's such an interesting perspective now that you have going through that and that's also how you got into like, you know, the health yeah. and wellness kind of space. So it's actually kind of an interesting, like full circle moment there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and that was one of the things that I really wanted to achieve with my business as well, right? Yeah. Like I saw it as kind of a shift and a movement within the food industry itself. Mm-hmm. And this is actually something that we are seeing right now is there are a lot more clean products that are entering the market. Um, because I think consumers are looking for a product that's made just with actual food. Mm-hmm. And so if the consumers are demanding it, then the industry has to respond to that. Yeah. And so we're starting to see more and more of that and more refrigerated products. Like I know of a handful of energy bar companies that are out there just killing it and doing a fantastic job of it. And they have a refrigerated product because it's made just with real food ingredients. And so if you are looking for, you know, a packaged product or something that is more grab and go and convenient food, I would highly encourage everyone to not just go to like the energy bar aisle, right? Like go to your refrigerated section and look for those products because they're going to be a million times better for you to be consuming. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's been interesting to see the evolution even since I started eating healthy, like how much has changed in such really a short period of time like yeah it's been years but like in the grand scheme of things like that's really not that long and like you said like how there's things in like the refrigerated section like energy bars so that's another really good tip I like that one as well some like some of them are so good too like oh they're so oh, oh my god I'm like scared to like say names and like people are like what are you talking about but like ah. we're on like the same page <laughs> Oh my god, hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think we both know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's so many there's so many good clean products out there right now. Like if you look, you can find it. And that wasn't on the market when I started my business back in 2015. And that's a big part of why I started it is because right. I couldn't find it for myself. And so I resorted to making it for myself in my home kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so now with all of the varieties out there, like there really is something for everyone. And so I think it's it's a really good time right now for the food industry. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, we talked about like everything. I, I knew we were going to like touch on probably Hawaii at one point and obviously we talked about dogs and business and eating healthy. So I love that. But where can people find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at um, on Instagram at Ms. Nicole Haney. So it's M-S Nicole Haney. And then my website is just NicoleHaney.com. So N-I-C-O-L-E 
H-A-N-E-Y.com. Perfect. Well, thank you again for joining me and sharing a lot of really good information. I feel like not just for like food-based businesses, but like really any business. So, um, and also just the health and wellness conversations I always love and travel conversations with you. So yeah, love it. Absolutely. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you, Nicole. And yeah, anytime I would love to do this again sometime. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode and don't forget to join the conversation over on socials at Simply Nick Nutrition and online at simplynicknutrition.com.